chapter uh, 1. We're going to read verses 22 to 25 this morning. So that's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. It says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glories like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. That is the word of God. Amen. All right, so um, when it comes to the holy life that we are called to live, and that's what this section is about, starting in verse 13 all the way through uh, the end of chapter 1, it's about us being called to a holy life. So when it comes to the holy life that we are called to live, there are two minimum things. There are two minimum things that should be evident in every Christian's life. The first one is his reverence and worship of God. And that encompasses the first four commandments, which we refer to the first table. And then the second is his love for his brothers and sisters in Christ. That encompasses the last six commandments in what we refer to as the second table. So those two things are, are, must be evident in a Christian's life. His reverence and worship of God. And then also his love for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Peter called on the Christians in Rome. In our passage here, he called on the Christians in Rome to conduct themselves with fear throughout their exile. That's what we talked about last week in verse 18. And he also says that they are to have a sincere brotherly love for one another. He says that in verse 22, one of the passages we just read this morning. Now, these two things, they summarize the purpose of the law. And that's why I said these two things must be evident in every Christian's life. See, because the law directs us to love God and to honor one another. That's exactly what the law directs us to. Love God and to honor one another. Last week, we spoke about the reverence that we are to have towards God. We said it's not only what we do, but it's how we do it. That God judges the heart and that how we do things and the reason why we do things matters to God. He wants not only our, 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 us going through the motion, but he wants our heart engaged in whatever we do. He wants our heart engaged in worship towards him. So it is important what we do. It is important that we revere him. It's also important as to why we do it. So we are to revere him and we are to have reverence towards God because he is father and judge and because he is Lord and Savior. Now, the prior we talked about last week shows who he is. He is our father. He loves us like no one else does. He is our judge. He disciplines us and watches over us like no one else does. Right. But then on the other side, he is Lord and Savior. This latter speaks to what he has done. He is Lord over our lives, but he has saved us even despite of our sin. So in response to who he is and what he has done, 
we are to do all things out of complete worship of him. It says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, it says do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. I love that verse. I'm always having to remind myself about that, and I remind my kids about that often. Do Everything that you do, we ought to do it uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a great reminder, especially when you're talking to your kids about the schoolwork that they do. Because a lot of kids don't like to do schoolwork, but you say, hey, did you know that what you were doing in school, it either honors or dishonors God? What you are, how you speak back to me, it honors or dishonors God. Everything we do, it either honors or dishonors God. We make the choice of how we want to do it. So that verse is very important. Whatever we do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That brings us to our sermon summary. Um, our sermon summary is this. Since Christ has loved us so dearly, we are to love one another sincerely out of worship of him. Since, he has, since Christ has loved us so dearly, we are to love one another sincerely out of worship of him. Remember last week we talked about how uh, we are to revere him. And this reverence needs to pour out from our worship. Well, today we're going to talk about love. And just like reverence pours out of our worship, which encompasses the first four commandments, the last six, it, it requires us to love one another. And guess what? This, it pours out of our worship to him. That's why I brought up Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, that whatever we do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we are revering him, or if we are loving one another, it is to be worship of him. Now, as I said before, this section, starting in verse 13, it is a section that is uh, dedicated to calling Christians to be holy. So the revering part that we talked about last week covers that, but also this love part that we're going to talk about today also cover, covers that. So in a sense, you can say that we are called to a holy love. We are called to a holy love. And we see our calling in the Ten Commandments because since the Ten Commandments teach us to honor God and to love each other, we must understand that holiness is not only marked by our reverence for God, but it, is also, it also encompasses how we love one another. Listen to these verses that I, I've taken from the New Testament. The first one is from Jesus. Our Lord and Savior, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That is from John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. But it doesn't stop there. Paul Paul chimes in about love in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. He even goes as far to say, outdo one another in showing honor. That is Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And then Peter, he comes along and says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. 
Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. You see, I, I grabbed these verses. There's plenty more, but I wanted to grab one from, from each of these men to show how they are unified, how the Spirit unifies them and challenges the church and, and, and tells the church that we are to love one another. Jesus said, it's a new commandment I give you, to love one another. He's pointing us back to the Ten Commandments. He is pointing us back to the fact that we are supposed to have a godly relationship between one another. Paul says to outdo each other in showing honor. That is just, I just love the way Paul puts that. We, we know about competition. We know about outdoing each other. And usually it's on a playing field and we want to conquer someone or we want to beat, the, beat them in whatever we're, we're playing against them in. But here Paul says, outdo each other in showing honor. I, I think that's a, a beautiful way to describe the relationship that, that Christians should have. And then Peter says that we need to just keep loving each other, loving each other, even if we are offended because love covers a multitude of sins. So we get a well-rounded definition, an example of what love should be between the believers. In our passage today, Peter explains that the love we are to have springs from the faith uh, that has been granted to us. It springs from the faith that has been granted to us through the eternal word of Christ. The word purified in verse 22, it means to cause to be morally pure. We become morally pure through the annulment of our sins through Christ and his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection. And that's exactly what Peter is talking about here in verse 22. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Obviously, he's continuing his talk on being holy. And this, what I have read, is connected to this, this whole section on holiness. And this purification that Peter is speaking about has everything to do with what God has done. And it has little to do about what we have done for ourselves. It points to the saving work of Christ and how we are purified through the forgiveness of our sins, through what Christ has done on the cross. We are purified, we are made pure because God has granted us faith. And he has placed us in his goodness and he has placed us in his grace. And by grace through faith as a gift from God, that's what Ephesians 2.8 tells us, we have purified our, our souls. As a result, as a result, you and I, brother and sister in Christ, we are called to a sincere brotherly love. I, I, I like the word sincere there. It reminds me that it can't be fake. It reminds me that it has to be genuine. It reminds me that God, God is looking at our hearts as we serve one another. And it should, be, it should be a motivating factor for all of us to make that love genuine for one another. Not just doing it out of something that, out of something that we can gain for our own gain, but rather for the glory of God. 
And that's the holy love that we are called to live. That's extremely important in church life. See, that's what makes the difference between a church and a club. The big difference. We are the living body of Christ. We are united in a way that no one else in the world is united. We are united through the blood of Christ. He has paid the ultimate price for us. He has given us the perfect example of love. And it wasn't just so that we could benefit from it, because we did benefit greatly from that. But it was also to set an example for us to follow. That's why we are called Christians. We are to follow Christ in all that he has done. And he has told us to love one another. Now, we continue to praise God because this holy love is only possible after we have obeyed the truth. And that's what Peter says in this passage. So number one, we're called to a holy love. But number two, we must understand that this holy love is only possible after we obey the truth. In other words, after we have become believers, can we love the way Christ has loved? The truth that Peter speaks about is summarized in verses 18 through 21. And this is what I love about the word of God, because if you were here last week and you heard the sermon and, and you saw me walk through uh, 18 through 21, uh, I, I did not focus on this part of, of, of what Peter was saying because I knew I was going to preach this sermon today. But I used it to talk about the reverence that we are to have to God and how we are to worship him uh, through that reverence. It is supposed to be a worshipful obedience to God. But check this out. The gospel is found in verses 18 through 21. It's, it's really not hidden there, but it's, it's, it's evident that the gospel is there. And this is, uh, we are to love one another out of response to the truth, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. First in verse 18, it tells us that we were ransomed from our feudal ways. We were bought back. How were we bought back? We were bought back because of what Christ has done, what he did on the cross for us. So we were ransomed from our futile ways. Verse 19, that we were ransomed by the precious blood of Christ. Not something that was paid like money or something that is temporary or something that is not all powerful. We were ransomed by the precious blood of Christ. That he was a lamb without blemish or spot, it also says in verse 19. So what that means is that Jesus, that he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross. He gave up his body, his blood as a sacrifice for us. So that we could be forgiven of our sins and that we could escape the wrath of God. Then it continues on in verse uh, 20. That he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Points to who he was. Not that he was just born and, and he didn't exist prior, but that he was God and he became God in the flesh. That he was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you and me. That's the Christmas story. That's what we're going to celebrate today. That's also found in verse 20. Verse 21, that we through him are believers in God, right? Jesus says, I am the way, the, the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no one can come to the Father except through me. Verse, verse 21 is saying that we through him are believers in God. 
verse 21 again, that although he was crucified, he was raised from the dead and given his glory back. And then in verse 21 again, that our faith and hope are now in Christ. That is the truth that Peter is speaking about. So when he says in verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. And then he goes on for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again. You see, this love that God is calling us to, it cannot happen until we have obeyed the truth. We cannot obey the truth until God has granted us faith to accept the truth. And after we have come to the realization of this truth, and after your heart is changed by God, then and only then is it possible for you to love from a sincere heart. Remember the words of Christ that I spoke earlier in this sermon. He says, love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And in speaking about love, he says, by this, by this, by love and your love for one another, all people will know that you are my disciples. You see, when we become Christians, we learn to love as God loved because his spirit is in us and his spirit is working in us and love is a fruit of the spirit. It is evidence of God's existence in us and his work in us. It is what we are called to do. It is extremely, extremely difficult at times because many times, Although we know we are called to love, we want to respond in a different way. We want to respond in the flesh. But the Bible tells us that if we, if we walk in the Spirit, then we'll do the things of the Spirit. But if we walk in the flesh, then we're going to do the things of the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit, we're going to please God. If we walk in the flesh, we're not going to please God. We may please ourselves, but that doesn't mean we please God. So it's extremely important for us to realize that love is a product of what the, the Spirit does in us, and we must walk in the Spirit. We must stay connected and in fellowship with God. We must continue in His Word. We must continue in prayer. We must continue in fellowship with each other. We must continue in these things so that we can love each other more and more. So I've described what this holy love is, and I've talked about how this love is possible. If you're sitting here today and you're not a Christian and you're wondering, how can, how can strangers love each other like this? Well, you're wondering that because you do not have the Spirit of God. But the thing is, is that if you believe unto Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that he died for you if you believe in the gospel message the truth that is laid out in verses 18 through 21 God will grant you that love he will grant you that faith and you will come to understand who God is how he has loved you and how you are to love your neighbor so the last thing I want to talk about is what does it mean to have a sincere brotherly love how how can we apply this well when you look at the word brotherly love in verse 22, in the Greek, it means a love specifically reserved 
for a blood brother or sister. That's the exact meaning behind it. A love reserved for a blood brother or sister. Obviously here it is used figuratively. And it is used figuratively to describe a sense, the sense of affection we should have for our fellow Christian. The, the family dynamic and relationship is extremely important to us. And we, we love our families in most cases. We love our families no matter what we've been through, no matter how long it's been since we've talked to them, no matter the disagreements we have, we know that there's still a love that will never go away. This is the love that is being spoken about here in this verse, that we're to have a love for each other. Like we are blood family. See, the thing is, is that we, our relationships run deeper than blood. We have the same spirit abiding in us. So we are family. We are family. We are a spiritual family and we are to love one another with the deepest love possible. We are to place each other first. We are to understand that we are family. I think that's a great place to start. Because sometimes um, we, we see our, our family and, and we say, this is my world right here. This is my world. This is what's important to me. But God is saying, no, your world is bigger than that. Your world starts with me, God is saying, and then it follows down to your Christian family. Yes, your family that I have given you is important to you. But that is not your whole world. Your whole world starts with me and it flows down to your family and your Christian family. That is your world and that is who we ought to love. Now, when we talk about uh, this, this love, this sincere brotherly love that we have for one another, the starting point is for us to abide by the second table of the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you notice this, but we've been going back a lot to the Ten Commandments. I told you, there's a, a, there's a strong connection with Exodus and 1 Peter. And it continues to point back. When we're told to do something in the New Testament, you better believe that it's going to fall in line. And, and, and whatever we are told to do, you better believe it's going to fall in line with the Ten Commandments. It's either going to be having to do something with honoring God, or it's going to have to do with something with loving each other. One way or another, it points back. To the foundation as the, the law as a foundation for us in pleasing God. So when we speak about this brotherly love, it points back to us abiding in the Ten Commandments. It talks about our it, it, it points back to the fact that we are to honor our father and mother. You want to love each other? Let's start there. Honor your father and mother. Honor those in your family. You want to love each other, to have a sincere brotherly love? Well, do not murder your brother. Jesus goes on further and says, do not have hate in your heart for your brother. If we want to love in a brotherly love, 
we must not commit adultery against our brother. We must not steal from our brother. We must not lie to our brother. And we must not covet what our brother has. If we want to have a sincere brotherly love, that's where it starts. That's where we begin. That's why the Ten Commandments are extremely important to the Christian. That's why we must, we must go back and we must remember these foundational truths. Because God has given us these foundational truths so that we can please him. If we don't even know what they are, then how are we going to please him by obeying them? You see, the full meaning of this imperative that we are given to love each other out of a brotherly love, this full meaning or the full meaning of this imperative is that we are to love everyone who loves Christ. I think that's extremely important that we realize that. Because again, I point back to the family dynamic, the family relationship. We say, this is important to me, my little family. If it's me and my, and my three kids, or if it's me, my husband and myself and my three kids, whatever it is, right? This is what's important to me. That's what we start with. But God is saying, no, that shouldn't be the only thing important to you. You have your Christian family. But then from there, just because it's, it's part of our nature, we go from, okay, I can love my Christian family. The members of Community Baptist Church are extremely important to me. And I love each and every one of them. This is what matters right here. But God says, no, no, no. They're not the only ones because that's not my full church. That is only a small part of my, my true church. They are other people. So what God is saying through his word here is that we are to love everyone who loves Christ. We are to love all believers in this way. See, we're given the illustration that he is the head and all believers are the body. Pastor Laramie read that right before we prayed just a while ago. And, and that was by the guidance of the Spirit because I didn't even tell him I was going to mention this. The body parts are all in submission to Christ, who is the head. You and I, and every church who worships in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to care for one another. We are called to love those we know in Christ. That, that, that means us in here. But we are also called to love those who we don't know in Christ. Now that, that means a whole lot of different things. It means churches who, uh, who, who minister here in Victoria. A lot of times we end up seeing other churches as competition. should never be that way. We're all one body under one head shouldn't see another church as competition but rather we should support one another but that's where we fall short as people that's something I think we all as God's church need to repent from 
But so it's not only here in Victoria, it goes beyond that. Brother Eric and I were talking about this last Sunday, and it really struck a chord with me. But what about his persecuted church? We, we enjoy a lot of freedoms here. And I'm not going to say we don't endure any persecution because I do not believe that is true. We do endure persecution. But when you compare it to what other churches deal with in other nations where it's not, it's not allowed, it's, to them it's not right to worship the Lord. Therefore, it is against the law. And if you worship the Lord, you are persecuted. Let's really think deeply and ask ourselves, what are we doing to love them? What are we doing to love his church, his whole church? Not just those we know, but how about those we do not know? God God is calling us to have a sincere brotherly that is to be applied to everyone who has his spirit. I think this is a great challenge for our church. And, and, and I, I want, to, I want to, to get you going to, to spark some thought on how we are going to love those we don't know. I, I want that to be a, a point of conversation, not only uh, as a group, but I want that to be individually. How are you going to love those you don't know in Christ, as well as those you do know. Because even within our fellowship here, there's need. I'm not just talking about monetarily. I'm talking about in different ways, there's need. We recently had a family who lost a son. There's need there to love. There's opportunity there to love. We have people who are going through some health issues in the church. There's opportunity to love. Yes, we have people who are struggling financially. There's opportunity to love. There's plenty of opportunity. So we can't say, I haven't had the chance. And then when we point to those we don't know, there's even more opportunity there. So, my challenge to the church this morning, I want us to work, to pray, ask God to help us to be patient, to be kind, not to envy, not to boast, not to be arrogant, not to be rude towards each other, not to insist on our own way, not to be irritable. Lord, I need help with that. Or not to be resentful. As the scripture says, let us rejoice in truth. Let us bear all things, believe all things, hope all things. Let us endure all things. You recognize that? I read that when we opened the service. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's our challenge that is what God is calling us to do because we are called to be holy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your spirit and how he moves as your word is preached.
pray that, that he does his work in our hearts, that he guides us to please you in everything that we do. Help us to look for opportunity, Father, to recognize opportunity when we see it, to love one another from a sincere brotherly love.